Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace today. Go to squarespace.com and enter offer code SMART at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. This week we talk with a guest who has truly done some remarkable things during his life. He was a graduate of Stanford University and Cornell Law School. He's a vegan ultra-endurance athlete, motivational speaker, author, husband, father of four children, and just an overall great example of healthy living. Our guest this week is Rich Roll. Rich is the author of books like Finding Ultra, Rejecting Middle Age, Becoming One of the World's Fittest Men, and Discovering Myself, and his newest book, The Plant Power Way, Whole Food Plant-Based Recipes and Guidance for the Whole Family. Rich's interview is great because he focuses on authenticity, and that's something that I think we should all definitely try to focus more on in our lives. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to remind you to head over to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and review for the show. That really does help out the podcast, and we truly do appreciate it when you take a few moments out of your day to do so. 
Another easy way to support the show at no cost to you is using our Amazon link at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. Using the link sends you to Amazon just as you normally would. You do your shopping and we get a nice little kickback from Amazon, again, at no cost to you. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this intro so that you guys can get onto the fantastic interview with Rich Roll. All right, Rich. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned there a minute ago, I, I found you through your writing, specifically the the article, Why You Should Stop Life Hacking and Invest in the Journey. And mm-hmm. I want to get into that. But before we talk about that, you have a, a very interesting background, which the listeners love to hear about. You You went to Stanford undergrad Cornell Law School. So you've obviously always been an overachiever. Is that a is that a fair assumption? Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe for better or worse, uh, I've gotten into some, some, uh, some, some, some trouble as well. I think a, a more apt description might be somebody who's kind of prone to extremes. When I get into something, I kind of go all the way. And sometimes that serves me. It served me academically and it served me in, in sport. Uh, but it also, uh, that, that pendulum swims, swings in the other direction as well. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. Like, Sometimes, well, do people say it's an addictive personality? Uh, I think you could you could definitely uh, make that make that uh, statement about myself. I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, and uh, uh, you know that's a big part of kind of my story and my journey. And so, balance for me is kind of this fickle lover that I'm always <laughs> pursuing and and not quite able to uh, covet. Yeah, no, I can understand that. From the time I was little, my parents always used to say my motto would be in life. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. I mean, mm-hmm. from, you know, the good things to the bad things, like salt even. You know? so, right. So, and then you practiced law for a while, which I have never met a happy lawyer. So I'd love to hear your take on that, what it was like to be a lawyer. Did you enjoy it? Did you want to jump out a window? Uh, probably most days I wanted to jump out of a window. I would say that, that, uh, I enjoyed law school, uh, you know, and I enjoyed college. Um, I enjoyed the academic challenge of it, but I didn't go to law school because I had a passion for law. I went to law school because it just seemed like a good thing to do or a responsible thing to do. And kind of part of my message and my story and, and my journey is really about trying to impress upon people the importance of of doing the inside work, the interior work of trying to really connect with who you are and and tap into and discover and and unlock and embrace, you know, that thing that you're passionate about, particularly when you're young um, and and to try to invest in that. And, you know, I didn't do that. What I did was do the thing that I thought, you know, society would smile upon me for doing. And, uh, and I was successful at it. Um, And, you know, I could have continued and, and been, you know, a, a, you know, a partner in a big prestigious law firm and made a bunch of money and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it really was not for me. And, and I had to kind of pursue it until I was in so much pain that it became unbearable, uh, you know, before I was willing to kind of course correct and, and change directions in my life. And, you know, certainly there are people out there that love practicing law. And I know lots of amazing dynamic individuals who enjoy the practice of law and more power to them. It just was not, uh, it was for me, it was always like 
jamming a square peg into a round hole. Absolutely. And I mean, we won't go into it because the listeners have heard me talk about my story before, but it's extremely similar. Uh, Rather than law, it was in finance um, Mm -hmm. and almost mirrored your journey to a T. And and I wanted to say, you know, you stuck with it, you said, until it hurt so much. And that was the same thing with me. Um, what was this kind of the, the moment? That's it, because you went from law, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but to what you do now, which is, you know, uh, you're an endurance athlete, you have a book, podcast, but things based around this, you know, authenticity and, uh, you know, get out there, just exuberance, passion. Um, what was it that one day you said, man, effort like i'm out of here let's do this right i mean in in retrospect it all looks like it happened overnight and and, in reality it wasn't like that like most things you know it's easy to spin kind of a tidy narrative around um kind of this you know overnight uh complete overhaul of my you know professional career but it was a slow transition and you know for me you know back to kind of the addictive personality i mean pain really is the only thing that's ever motivated me to kind of change my errant ways or my behavior patterns and what happened to me was um you know like i referenced earlier you know i got into a lot of trouble with alcoholism and you know i was in a pretty desperate state around the time i was 31 and of course i knew i was an alcoholic and i tried many many times to 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 stop and to quit and i would inevitably always relapse and you know, at the end, I was drinking around the clock and, you know, I couldn't leave my house without a vodka tonic in the shower. And it was horrible. It was a desperate, dark, lonely place where, um, you know, I was on the verge of unemployment, alienated from my friends and family, sleeping on a bare mattress in an empty apartment and, and clinging on to this job that I was on the precipice of losing at any minute. And one day I woke up and, you know, had that moment of clarity that you hear about with other you know, recovering alcoholics and addicts and, and realized that, you know, I really needed to change the way that I was living. And, and that denial snapped and I was able to kind of surrender to the problem and surrender to the solution and, and accept help and solicit help. And I ended up going to rehab and I was in rehab for a hundred days. And, you know, it's all kind of, you know, it's very Hollywood to talk about, oh, you know, going to rehab. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, rehabs are mental institutions and my best thinking got me into a mental institution. But hmm. during that period of time, I really learned new tools for how to live and how to deal with my emotions and how to um, kind of interact with the world, et cetera. So, and when I got out of that and, and, you know, and sort of went back into, you know, the world, uh, it was all about trying to you know, repair all the wreckage that I had caused as a result of my drinking and using. And so I was kind of on turbo to, um, you know, repair my professional career and my relationships. And, and, uh, and, and as a result of, you know, working a solid program in recovery, I was able to do that, you know, but during that period of time, which was a good decade, I overlooked my health and my fitness. And, you know, I was a senior associate on the partnership track in this law firm and, and just kind of blindly propelling myself forward in pursuit of this American dream that my whole life, you know, was kind of founded upon, which is, study hard, get into the right schools, get the good job, climb the corporate ladder, work hard, go the extra mile and all that kind of stuff. And if you do that, you'll be happy. And when I was 39 years old, uh, I was 50 pounds overweight. I was subsisting on what a friend of mine calls the window diet. If you can roll down your window and they hand it to you, you eat it. And, (laughs) you know, cheeseburgers, French fries, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, Jack in the Box, and, you know, all that kind of stuff was pretty much, you know, how I was, how I was living on a daily basis. And, 
you know, meanwhile, I started to have this existential crisis of being really unhappy in my chosen career. I'd sort of done all the right things and, and was experiencing the success of that. But inside I was dying. You know, I felt like I was living someone else's life. Like I was trapped in, you know, an existence that I didn't even really feel like I consciously chose and I, I couldn't see my way out of it. Uh, and, you know, Henry David Thoreau captures it best when he said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Hmm. And what is considered resignation is confirmed desperation. And that was certainly, uh, you know, true in my life at that time. And when I was uh, 39, like shortly before I turned 40, I had worked late. I remember very vividly and and uh, my family was asleep when I got home and I sort of made my way up the staircase to go to sleep. And I had to pause halfway up the staircase, you know, half a simple flight of stairs. I was winded. I was out of breath. I had sweat on my brow. I was buckled over and tightness in my chest. And, and it was a scary moment. You know, I thought that I quite possibly might be having a heart attack. And, you know, I had been a swimmer at Stanford. I competed on, uh, you know, arguably the best swim team in, in the world at the time. We had Olympic gold medalists and American record holders. We won NC2As two years in a row. And I'd always kind of looked at myself in the mirror and saw that kind of champion swimmer reflected back at me. But, you know, I wasn't able to see myself as I really was, you know, which was kind of a overweight, you know, middle-aged guy who, you know, really wasn't taking care of himself. And so that moment, really, everything kind of came into crystal focus. Like I knew that I had to change my ways. I needed to change the way that I was living my life. And those changes needed to be immediate. They needed to be drastic and they needed to be specific. And I was able to recognize the power of this moment because it was similar to that moment that I woke up that day and realized that I needed to get sober. And, and I was able to understand that those moments, which I think we all experience in some form or another, um, you know, have the power to completely and radically change the trajectory of our lives if we're able to recognize them for what they are. And I was blessed to be able to see and understand that this was one of those moments. And, and I took it seriously. And that's kind of what set in motion um, this, you know, complete overhaul of how I was living my life. And, and like I said, it, it took a number of years. It wasn't like I quit my law practice overnight. Um, you know, I stumbled into adopting a plant-based diet and that, you know, revitalized me in a way I couldn't possibly imagine. And I had so much energy as a result of that. It, it, it fueled a, you know, an interest in getting fit once again, which was something I hadn't been interested in in a good, you know, 15 years. And one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, I ended up participating in these insane ultra long distance uh, events in my 40s and competing, you know, at a very high level and succeeding at that. And that, you know, resulted in media attention. And that led to the book deal. And the book deal was, you know, the sort of catalyst that allowed me to finally kind of step out of being a lawyer and into kind of what I'm doing now, which is essentially a full-time, you know, wellness advocate in mm -hmm. a variety of forms. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk about when you left law and moved into what you're doing now, you say how it wasn't overnight. And I can totally appreciate that. And I think most people out there understand that there's really no such thing as an overnight success. But many people are stuck in some way, whether it be a job or a relationship, an emotion, uh, and it's hard to take those first steps that follow through. I think a lot of people have that moment of clarity, but then they don't act on it. So mm -hmm. what would your advice be to those people that have that or, or feel like they're stuck? 
you know, how do they get out of it before it puts them in rehab or it, you know, other things that can really take their toll? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, in my experience, there's a couple of things. And, and the first thing that I would say is that mood follows action, right? And if you wait until you sort of feel like doing something, then you're probably never going to do it. Uh, but if you want to change the way you feel or your emotional state or your physical state, you have to take the action first. And that's always worked for me. And, you know, when I get into that headspace of, uh, you know, I'll go, you know, do my run when I feel better or I'll get to that when, you know, I don't feel so tired or depressed. You know, that is just sort of, um, uh, you know, protracting, you know, something that may not ever occur. And so I've gotten into the habit of just take, of shutting off the brain, which is not always your friend, um, and taking the action anyway. And I think it's about recognizing uh, the, the sort of distinction between your higher consciousness and your thinking mind and, and understanding that the thoughts or the, the sort of, you know, kind of repetitive, uh, you know, things that run through your conscious mind don't necessarily define who you are and that you have a choice whether to listen to those messages or, or entertain a different possibility. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing I would say <clears throat> is that uh, it's important to just begin, you know, and you don't have to know where it's leading you. I think it's important to have goals and it's important to have a plan and, and kind of know where you're heading, but it's also not required or mandatory. You know, when I first put on a pair of running shoes, you know, when I was age 40 and, you know, it wasn't, I had no idea that I was going to become an ultra endurance athlete, you know, competing on the world stage. I just wanted to go outside and connect with my body in a way that I hadn't in a long time. And that provided me with joy. It was something that I enjoyed doing. I was connecting to something that, that, you know, in a very childlike way was, you know, something that, that I had always, you know, kind of, um, loved as long as I could remember. But when we become adults, we're sort of, that becomes something that, you know, we're not permitted to kind of, uh, indulge in anymore. And, you know, so everything that's kind of happened in my life from the success of my book and my podcast and, and kind of this position that I'm in right now, I could have never predicted in a million years. And it's not the result of some grand plan that I set in motion to try to achieve. It was a result of, following my heart, doing the inside work, trying to understand what gives me a heartbeat, what I'm passionate about, and having the faith and the courage to follow that thread, even when it defied logic or didn't make sense, or I didn't know or have any idea for that matter where it would take me. It was just about taking the action day by day, consistent pressure, engaging in what it is that, that you love to do and, and feel compelled to express more fully in your life. Now for a quick message from our sponsor. The Smart People Podcast is supported by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who launched the index fund revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're still not convinced, 
you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion, with a B, dollars in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com slash smart people to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Again, that's Wealthfront.com slash smart people. Get your first 10 grand managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risk, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Now back to our show in normal speed. Well, and that's a perfect sequitur into your one of your blog posts, The Art of Living with Purpose. You know, mm-hmm. it was fantastic, but there was a part in there that really spoke to me for a number of reasons. And it's this idea that, okay, people could look, you know, at your story and say, well, he, he was a lawyer. He probably had money or uh, whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it probably wasn't as difficult. But you had this one little paragraph, and I'm going to read it. It says, Broken married with four kids, four kids. I can't, first of all, just the the responsibility, but broken married with four kids. I spent countless hours pedaling a bike, running ridiculous distances, or staring at a black line at the bottom of a pool looking for answers as I trained for the ludicrous endurance test known as the Ultraman World Championships. It wasn't just illogical, it was utterly baffling. And yet deep in the recesses of my soul, I knew with every aspect of my being that it was what I was meant to be doing. And that right there, it, do, it doesn't make sense. It, there's no reason you should have been doing what you were doing at that point. Mm-hmm. I know what that's like. You have responsibility. You don't have money. You don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it. But the key is you were just doing what your body told you to. Right. What? How did you give yourself the... I don't know the, the ability. How did you allow yourself to do that and just say, fine, I'm going to go with it. It was, uh, it took a lot, you know, it took a lot of courage. I have to say, you know, it required me to live in the moment and live in faith and be tested in a way that I never have been in my entire life. And when I look back on it, I can't even believe that I did it myself. And it sort of reminds me of, um, that movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind where <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is starting to lose his mind and he's sort of building Devil's Mountain on his kitchen table and everyone thinks he's insane, but he's compelled to do it. And he, on some unconscious level, knows that it's leading him in some direction that he's meant to go. And I, you know, and, and I relate to that. That's how I felt. Like it, it wasn't logical. I had plenty of people around me thinking that I was, you know, chasing a fool's errand and that what I was doing was crazy. And I had no concept of where it would lead me and certainly no idea that it would ever sort of create a foundation for a a new career. I just felt that it was a it, it was almost like a survival instinct, like I needed to do it in order to breathe in and breathe out and live. And, you know, again, it's it it was sort of an outgrowth of this existential crisis that I was having, trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do with my life and understanding that practicing law was not, you know, that was not going to be my legacy, but what was going to be my legacy? Where was I going to put all of my energy and how was I going to provide for my family? And in order to answer those questions for myself, I almost felt like I had to put myself into that level of kind of physical, mental, and emotional pain that comes with endurance training 
to kind of um, quiet my thinking mind and allow you know my higher consciousness to um, sort of develop and, and speak to me in you know in a new and different way. And I was open to the possibilities and and uh, and it was scary, you know. And I had the good fortune of having a wife who encouraged me. And even when things looked quite dire and I can tell you that you know we almost lost our house it was not pretty you know we for a while we didn't have a car I mean it was craziness mm-hmm. that on every logical level you know I would wake up and say I got to go back and to the law firm what am I doing this is ridiculous and my wife would say you need to go out and ride your bike I don't know why mm-hmm. but there's something about what you're doing right now that I can tell and I can see in your you know in your soul that this is what you're supposed to be doing today and the results will you know, they will show themselves to us in due time. And, you know, I, I doubted that many, many times, but I acted as if anyway. And, you know, what she said proved to be true, which was that, you know, if you find a way to, to engage with your passion, that the universe will indeed uh, conspire to support that. And it may not, that doesn't mean, like I, I've written in my post that, that you're going to get a book deal or you're going to be financially successful or that even your peers will respect you, but you will be uh, doing something that is personally meaningful for you. And, and I feel strongly that we need more of that in this world. I completely agree. And one of the things you, you've said a number of times is do the inside work, which I am a huge believer in. It's one of the reasons why I, I do this podcast and I write is because not only for myself but for others, I feel like, you know, it, it's probably my fault. But when I was younger, I didn't do the inside work. I didn't look at college as that that time or soon after college. It was kind of let's party and then let's get a high-paying job. So mm-hmm. one of the things – not only do I want to tell people to do the inside work, but how to do it. You know, take one step or two steps because it's tough, right? It's easy to say, ah, oh, learn about yourself. It's tough to say, here's how. What are a couple of examples or pieces of advice on how to, to do that inside work? Sure. I mean, that's a, great, uh, that's a great line of questioning. You know, the inside work is not sexy and uh, it's not fun. And I, you know, I still resist it. Even though that I know in my heart of hearts when I'm when I do it, uh, my life gets better, um, <clears throat> and it's an amorphous thing. It's not like a to do list, you know. But if I could sort of convey a couple helpful things that have been instrumental in helping me um, learn more about myself and and what I want to do with my life, it would be two things. And the first thing is meditation. There's all different kinds of forms and techniques of meditation. There's plenty of resources online. But I think it's really important to take time uh, with yourself in the morning and, if possible, also at night for, you know, it could be five minutes to begin with and, you know, work your way up to 20 minutes um, to really uh, develop tools to quiet your mind and control your mind and learn how to get the upper hand over your thinking mind. And again, it goes back to this distinction that I referenced earlier about distinguishing between, uh, you know, the repetitive thoughts that cycle in your head and kind of your higher consciousness and understanding that those two things are not the same thing. And meditation is an incredibly powerful, transformative tool that will allow you to kind of tap into and, and discover you know, what it is that that is missing in your life or what you want to express more deeply. And the second thing I would say is journaling. And I learned this when uh, I read a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. 
and she sets out a program to help you unlock your creativity and kind of the there's a there's a number of of sort of tools in her toolbox but the one that's been most powerful for me is uh is what's called morning pages which is you know in the morning every morning after your meditation to sit down and write out three pages in longhand in a notebook not on your typewriter not on your your typewriter your laptop you know not with a keyboard but actually with a pen and in a notebook um and to write whatever is on your mind, even if what's on your mind is I don't have anything to say or I hate journaling or whatever, the process of doing that frees up your subconscious and allows your kind of higher self to express itself in a certain way. And the repetitive kind of consistent practice of doing that in conjunction with meditation has been very helpful to me. And I would say that in my own personal case, the endurance training that I do is really a form of active meditation. You know, when I'm out on a trail by myself or out on my bike for many, many hours, you know, that's a lot of time to be alone to kind of, you know, connect with yourself physically, mentally, you know, and emotionally and spiritually that, uh, that has helped, you know, unlock kind of, um, you know, a different aspect of, of who I am. And I also want to talk about the thing that I mentioned when we first started chatting was the post you wrote called Why You Should Stop Life Hacking and Invest in the Journey. Mm-hmm. And the re- I love that for so many reasons. One, uh, because I am not a, a huge tech advocate. I don't read a ton of blogs. I don't do a ton of stuff on the computer. It's just not my thing. And so I get frustrated when other people all they want to do is regurgitate all the things. Hey, do you use this app? Have you set your life on, you know, up on this alarm? And I couldn't uh, say it as eloquently as you did in that post. But what kind of what what kind of gave you that man? I need to put this out there because I'm noticing it. Everything's a hack, and it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I mean, I was going insane, and you know, I. I uh... I'm all for finding efficiencies in your life and I'm all for, you know, trying to figure out what's not serving you so that you can spend more time engaged in the things that do serve you. Uh, but, but it really struck me, you know, that this, this meme, you know, this sort of, uh, hack culture that we found ourselves in had taken on a different, uh, tenor. And that tenor is that the hack had become the end in and of itself in that, if you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, or wherever, everybody's talking about hack this, hack that, how to hack your sleep, how to hack, you know. <laughs> and and this it, it it's this obsession and it's driven by, oh, if I use this term, I'll get more page views or I'll get more likes on my page or more people will read my blog post or listen to my podcast. And I just found it to be very cheap and disingenuous and unauthentic. And I just, I got so annoyed with it that I had to express myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of guys like Tim Ferriss who, you know, kind of pioneered or, or, you know, kind of popularized the idea of hacks. And, and I've certainly implemented them, certain hacks in my life, I guess, if you could call them that to, you know, kind of make my day more efficient. But for me, you know, I don't understand this obsession with the hack. The obsession should really be about what you're going to be doing with the the time that's freed up as a result of the efficiency or the good idea, because I think hack is really just a, a euphemism for a good idea, um, what you're going to be doing with that, you know, freed up energy and time. And and no one really wants to talk about that. But, you know, that's that's the part that everybody should be focusing on. And, and uh, you know, the value... 
um, you know, what I said in the post is essentially that, you know, everybody gets so excited about these hacks, but really the true value of any experience comes in, uh, is directly proportional to the extent to which you're emotionally invested in it. And if you hack your way through training for a marathon, like, Hey, I did a marathon. I only trained, you know, for 20 minutes a day and I got through it. Well, that's great, but it's like a parlor trick. And how did you feel when you finished that marathon? Did you feel a sense of satisfaction? Mm. Probably not because that true sense of satisfaction comes when you cross that finish line, knowing that you did everything in your power to be the best that you could be. And, you know, the value in other words is in the experience and the journey of getting there. And every kind of success that I've had in my life, um, isn't about, um, how I got there more quickly. It's really about, you know, the challenges and the obstacles that I overcame. And I don't think about finish lines or, you know, what my time was in a race or what place I got or, or, you know, where I was when, you know, my book, you know, did hit number one in a certain category on Amazon. But I remember, you know, staying up all night writing my book uh, at the All Night Kinko's next to the homeless guy who smelled horrible. And I remember, you know, that run that I couldn't get through that, you know, caused me more pain than I could have ever imagined. And I was questioning whether I was able going to ever going to be able to compete at Ultraman. And, and, you know, it's those memories that really gild, uh, you know, the experience with, with, uh, a lot of, you know, depth and, and, and meaning personal meaning for me. And the idea of trying to shortcut that, uh, really, uh, I think is missing the entire point. We'll be right back to this interview after a quick word from our sponsors. Building a website can be tough, and even if you do know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair. Whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you probably need one anyway. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website with, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. Listen, you don't want to have to spend your time learning how to code and build websites. You want to spend your time with coming up with those ideas and being able to execute on them. Let Squarespace make it easy for you to get those ideas out there. Seriously, you can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. Squarespace gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only $8 a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SMART to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Smart People Podcast. So don't forget, use the offer code SMART at checkout. We thank Squarespace for their support of Smart People Podcast. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And now back to the show. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, especially that you brought up the thing about you don't think about finish lines, which is that's totally hack culture, right? It's just get to the end as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, I, I recently interviewed uh, Joe DeSena, who he founded Spartan Races, but also we were talking about the death race. And that has its own crazy aspects to it. But the one thing I really liked, he said, you don't know when you're going to start and you don't know when you're going to finish because life doesn't tell you that. You know, life doesn't give you an end. It, it just ends for the most part. And so you need to be okay with the journey. And that's what he was trying to teach people. And I, I, we just, we've gotten so much towards this goal-oriented culture. There's an end to everything. And it's, that's not true. Right. And yeah, I love, I love what he said about that. And it is, it is so true. And, and certainly, you know, you kind of have to have, uh, you know, a goal in mind to kind of propel you forward or get mm-hmm. you out of bed in the morning. And, and goals certainly serve me, but not at, not at the behest of the journey. You know, it's really about engaging in process, irrespective of the outcome. You have to be completely immersed in in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and love the, uh, love the journey of getting there and embrace that. Uh, it's sort of the example I always use is if you're building a house and, and you just want it to be done so that you can move in, you're going to really resent the process because the contractor is not going to show up and it's going to go over budget and they're going to screw up the stucco and there's going to be all these problems and there's going to be all these delays and it's going to make you insane. But if you engage in the process and really embrace the idea that this is going to be an adventure and a journey and it's going to have its blemishes and problems and setbacks, but, but understanding that that's just part of the whole thing, uh, then you can actually really enjoy, you know, the year or two that it's going to take for that to happen. Um, and, you know, getting a house at the end of it is just icing on the cake. But when you think back and we had this experience because we built our house, Um, You know, I think back on it and I don't remember the day that we moved into the house that we built, but I remember so many days of just, you know, being on site, uh, you know, to see, you know, the the wood go up or the foundation getting poured. And and, you know, what we did that day when, you know, something went wrong and we had to, you know, reconfigure or we thought we weren't going to be able to pay for this or that. And, you know, that's that's really what I reflect back on with the most kind of joy and and and. and I don't know, me, you know, meaning, I guess, again. Yeah. No, I love that analogy. That really is one of the things I've learned over 150 interviews, and I'm, I'm synthesizing a lot of things I learned. Analogies are some of the best ways to get a point across. And that one is fantastic. I'm sure it hits home for a lot of people. I know specifically, I recently fixed my garage door. And I don't mean a small part. I mean, like, the whole damn door. And mm-hmm. it cost me... I think one twentieth of what I got a quote and I did it myself. I've never done anything like it. I did it by reading or, you know, watching YouTube videos and I, it took about four trips to home Depot, just a pain in the ass. I mean, I was filing down metal. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but I fixed it and I walked in the house and I just started screaming. I was like so happy, you know? And, uh, and my fiance was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I just said, you know, I am a man. Like this was incredible. And not once did I get frustrated with it. I just said, I'm going to go in the garage for an hour and I'm going to work, you know, and I'm going to learn and I'm going to get dirty. And, uh, and you're right. Like it just, if I would have said, uh, if I don't fix this in two hours, I'm going to be pissed. I would have been miserable. And I think, well, also, you know, you know, the hack would have been to outsource that job. <laughs> Hacking is all about outsourcing, right? Yeah. And so 
but what do you what do you gain when you do that? You you don't grow. And I think you know we have this idea that that uh, you know we can be on cruise control with our with our personal growth. But the truth is, in every given moment, with every choice that we make, we're either growing or we're regressing. And you chose to you know sort of embrace that process as a growth opportunity to you know kind of you know learn something about how to do something that you didn't know how to do. You got out of your comfort zone. And if you want to grow, you have to get dirty, mm-hmm. you know, to, and, and our culture and part of the reason that, you know, part of what motivated me to write that post is, you know, our culture does not encourage that anymore. We're always trying to seek out comfort and and the easy way. And, and we celebrate that when in truth, we should be sub- celebrating or encouraging kind of the hard path, because that's really how you, um, you know, develop new skills and get out of your comfort zone and learn something new and grow interpersonally. Absolutely. Real quick, I I don't even know if uh, I don't have to air this, but uh, I was just wondering. Your honestly, your writing is incredible. I mean, it's really, really good. Um, oh, thank you. Absolutely. I was wondering, how long does it take you to write your average post? <laughs> <laughs> Those, uh, you know, they, it comes in spurts. Like, you know, I wish I could write a post every week, but right. I have to be pretty inspired to do it. Sure. And then what happens is I'll sit down and I'll bang out a draft and then I'll, I'll rewrite it over the course of a week. So okay. I probably rewrote both of those posts like, you know, 10, 15 times okay. before I had them the way that I wanted them. Yeah. Um, they're not quick. You know, like yeah. I, I put a lot of time and effort into that. I just wanted to make sure that was the case because <laughs> I, I mean, I recently started uh, writing and, and people have been very kind and they're like, this is great. Um, but I mean, it takes forever. And I was like, am I just like, am I just striving for, for perfection or what's going on? But, um, the more people I talk to, it seems the norm to kind of, yeah, unless you're like a genius, like James Altucher. I don't know if you read his blog, but, uh, he, I had him on my podcast recently. You should check out his blog, jamesaltucher.com. He writes some of the greatest, most hilarious posts and he literally, puts, you know, a new one up every day. And I have no idea how he can churn out such high quality (laughs) writing on a daily basis. But, you know, he has a consistent practice where he every morning he gets up and he writes, you know, that's basically what he does. Like it's his job. Wow. I'm going to, I can't wait to dive into that. I'm going to look into that. Um, I know we're running out of time. Last question I have for you is in your specific mindset and in from everything, you know, in your opinion, what does it mean to thrive? That's a great question. I think to thrive means to be fully engaged in what you're passionate about and finding a way to express that in your life that is not just in service to yourself and and what, you know, makes your heart beat harder to quote from my post, but also which is in service to others. And uh you know, not everybody can be it's you know, it's easy to kind of throw that out. Um, and, you know, and the truth is not everybody can be LeBron James. I'm not saying that everybody is going to be innately supremely gifted at anything, but I think if you do do the interior work that we've talked about, uh, that you will discover and find that, that, uh, there is something that you could be passionate about. And it could be something as simple as, you know, basket weaving or playing the banjo or maybe becoming a stand-up comic. And that doesn't mean that you're going to, you need to quit your job overnight, but, that you need to find a way to uh, to tap into that and find a way to express that in your life in some form or another and give that energy. And I think that when you're doing that and the more that you do that, the more that you are thriving. And and to the extent that you can, um, you know, create a way for that passion to also be 
helpful to others in their journey, I think is the key to truly thriving because, because, uh, you know, thriving really is directly proportionate to the extent to which you're giving back. Absolutely. Well, I love that, that summation of it. I completely agree. Um, as we kind of mentioned, I know richroll.com is your site. It's incredible. The writing's great. I encourage everybody to check out the blog, uh, and your book, Finding Ultra, bestseller, uh, motivational. W- where else? I mean, is there anywhere else or that you would like to uh, guide the listeners or uh, places they can check you out or things that you got going on? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, the main everything is happening at richroll.com, R-I-C-H-R-O-L-L.com. Um, my podcast, you can find it there, but you can also find it on iTunes. It's just the Rich Roll podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Rich Roll at both. And if you're interested in plant-based nutrition, I have an online course that's available at Mind Body Green. And I'm just about in a couple weeks, uh, I have a new online course that's launching um, that's really on the subject we've been talking about today, which is how to how to live uh, with more purpose, how to how to set and achieve a, a goal, but really how to unlock. Uh, greater authenticity in your life. And I think that's coming out in maybe two or three weeks. And that's at mindbodygreen.com. Mindbodygreen. I love that site, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, actually, one thing that made me think of, and again, this doesn't have to air, but what have you found? Because you've gotten a, a, a big following, I mean, pretty pretty quickly from when you kind of switched into this role. Have you found anything that was like, man, this really uh, boosted me in the in this realm? That's a great question. You know, I think that the, 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 the true answer is that it's, it's happened extremely gradually okay. and organically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not big on like, you know, tricks and hacks to try <laughs> to get more followers. And everything that I do begins and ends with trying to be as authentic as possible. And I think that, you know, that's what I express in my book. That's what I express in my podcast. And, uh, and that's why people kind of tune into me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very conscious and aware to, you know, not kind of, you know, verge into this, you know, world of internet marketing with, you know, sort of, you know, buy now arrows and all that kind of sure. stuff and all those kinds of things that a lot of entrepreneurs use very successfully to build their audiences and their followings. I've just never really felt like that was the right fit for me. And so, you know, I was a pretty early adopter on Twitter and it's just kind of grown very gradually. I mean, certainly, you know, when some kind of mainstream media comes out, then I'll get a big bump. You mm-hmm. know, like I was on CNN and I did the Joe Rogan podcast and mm-hmm. I did a Reddit AMA that was on the homepage of Reddit for like a whole day. And, you know, c- certain things like that sure. certainly, certainly, you know, kind of exponentially, you know, grow your audience. But beyond that, I just try to continually put out consistently solid, helpful content and I don't really ask for anything back. You know, I just, I'm just trying to be of service and I'm trying to be honest and open and vulnerable and authentic. And the more that I do that, I think that, um, that, you know, all of the kind of social media stuff takes care of itself. And, and I think the thing that I've experienced with that is I have a, I have a, you know, a decent sized following. It's not tremendously enormous, but I have a lot of engagement. You know, so like when I tweet something, you know, I've, I don't know what I have, 27, 28,000 Twitter followers, you know, so other people that have that number of followers, they'll, they'll, they'll throw something out there and it doesn't get any traction. And right. when I put something out, you know, I think about how it can be helpful and I generally get, 
you know, quite a bit of traction and engagement. So I know that my audience and my followers are, are engaged in what I'm doing. And I think that's much more important than the number of people that you have following you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking time. I know you're busy with all the things you have going on. I truly resonate with this. The things about authenticity. I just love it. I, I knew it from, you know, when I started reading your stuff, you know, this guy just really believes it and it's hard to find. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are just trying to make a buck or sell Mm -hmm. content. And so I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. And, um, I can't wait to air this. I'll definitely shoot you the link and let you know when it, when it all goes up. All right, man. Well, that's exciting. I appreciate you uh, taking a stab with me and having me on, Chris. Absolutely, Rich. Thanks again, and uh, have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. Thanks, Chris. All righty. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rich Roll. Please don't forget that you can find his book, Finding Ultra, Rejecting Middle Age, Becoming One of the World's Fittest Men, and Discovering Myself on Amazon or at your local bookstore. And if you do choose to purchase the book through Amazon, please do not forget to use our link, smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. If you'd like to reach out to the show, please shoot us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. If you get the chance, please tell one of your friends about our show. Pick out one of your favorite episodes, email it to them, tweet it to them. Just go ahead and do whatever it takes to introduce them to the show. We'll greatly appreciate that. If this is your first time listening to Smart People Podcast, thank you and welcome to the Smart People Podcast community. One thing that I do ask is that you head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review of the show. Let us know what you think. We really do love receiving feedback from listeners. Make sure you stay tuned. We've got some great episodes coming up, and we'll see you all next week.